Thursday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And it's not just a Thursday edition. It's an NBA trade deadline edition as we are prepping for the potential, at least, the potential of things getting a little wild today. But that said, Jonesy, there have already been a number of moves over the course of the last few days, the last week or so, that maybe that means things could be a little bit quieter today. But we are certainly keeping an eye and an ear out for whatever may or may not go down between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers, as we discussed on Wednesday's show. Things seem to be picking up steam and going into Wednesday night and into this morning. It seems like there is even more chatter about the possibility of a Ben Simmons, James Harden blockbuster-type deal being orchestrated. Obviously, here in Toronto and, and in southern Ontario and Canada, folks that might be listening in, hey, Raptor fans around the globe that are tuning in to the podcast as well, may be wondering, well, are the Raptors going to do anything? Perhaps with that dangling piece of Goran Dragic and not just the skill set that he might provide for a contending team, but also the contract and the expiring contract and how that may play into things. So lots to kind of dig into today and, again, keep an eye on with the deadline approaching later on this afternoon. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it's also game day for the Toronto Raptors and a double dip with Smith & Jones as we are back tonight with the call of the Rockets and Raptors as Toronto rides a seven-game winning streak into tonight's tilt after winning last night fairly handily in Oklahoma City. Yeah, they looked good last night. And Eric, you know, you, you talk about the uh, uh, the trade between potential trade between Brooklyn and uh, Philadelphia. I, I saw a really interesting report this morning. I don't know if it was Woj that had it or read something that said James Harden really wants the trade, but does not want to. Uh, does not want to ask for it publicly to, 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 to make it look like, oh, here he is, he's somewhere else, and he wants out. He's disgruntled. Uh, I, I just think he's going to be happiest with Daryl Morey, where he knows he's got a fairy godfather, and he can kind of have his run of the farm and do what he wants, and, and Daryl Morey's good with that because he just thinks he's that great a player. Now he's been banged up. So I don't know if that's part of it, but I, I just know he's not the same guy from a few years ago. And maybe he does need uh, help the way maybe he didn't when he was in Houston. Um, I, I just I found that part of the report interesting. And then, you know, we'd heard stuff before that he doesn't really like New York. It, it wasn't really what he bargained for. Uh, you know, the cold weather climate. Here we go with the weather again, like all of those things. So. It, that, that one definitely has uh, that where there's smoke, there's fire there. And, you know, the the rumor, uh, the, the party's going the other way, Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. And if you're Daryl Morey, it, like, maybe that's enough because he wanted the, the moon and the stars before. And mm-hmm. now it's just just James Harden. It's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, but that's the guy that I really want. I I will come down off my price for that one, right? So uh, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that one. It it will be very very interesting. Um I think it's going to go down. There you know, we went from I don't know what at least two weeks ago, if not three or four weeks ago, to it's not happening, no chance it's going to happen, to in the last couple of days, it certainly seems like it's happening. And and as we discussed yesterday, Jones, and and 
I, I don't know if it's fair to say you disagreed or, or that we disagreed, but I was coming at it from a little bit of a different viewpoint than, than you were, um, but that's not to say you're right, I'm wrong, or vice versa. I just think that if you're going to do the deal in the summertime or try to do the deal, is the better way to put it, and that's the whole point of, the, of, my, of my angle on this, if you're going to try to do something in the summertime, there's no guarantee that you will be able to get it done. The only way to guarantee you get the guy now is to make the trade now and then try to, you know, hopefully keep the fingers crossed that you can negotiate with him as a member of your team in the summertime as opposed to prying him from somewhere else. And and I know we talked to Bontemps about this yesterday too, but I've got to assume that if you don't roll the dice now and you roll into the off season, and you're now either the contending or excuse me, the, the, the defending champions because Philly just won the title or you're a Philly team that missed out yet again and you're trying to figure out, man, how did we not, how did we not capitalize on that season that Embiid was having? How did we not win the title? Man, we should have made that James Harden trade. So now you go out and try and trade for him or, or excuse me, sign him in the offseason and make other trades and move other pieces, and now you're starting from square one yet again trying to climb that hill, as you always talk about, push that big boulder up the hill and see if you can do it through the grind of 82 and put yourself in position to be there as one of the top teams again. Well, you're one of the top teams right now. You can't guarantee you're going to be there next year. Injuries, everything else. So you know what? Make the move now. If you're going to go get the guy in five, six months anyways, or at least try to get the guy, get him now as long as it's not completely mortgaging your roster or hemorrhaging your roster, and it certainly sounds like it won't. And you're giving up what? The biggest piece in the trade is a dude that hasn't even played for you all season, and you're still having an incredible year. So I say you make the move, and from Brooklyn's perspective, why wouldn't you make the trade at this point? Like, you've been okay with James Harden, but clearly you haven't been okay of late, and are you still going to be that much worse off with Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie Irving? Like, come on. Still a stacked team. And clearly they need to do something. Something needs to light a fire in Brooklyn at this point. Like, with the Nets sitting in the eighth seed right now, having lost nine in a row, something needs to fire up the the, the squad, and maybe it's a trade that kind of lights that fire. Maybe it is, Eric, and, and you know, you, 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 you put it well there. This is – you can't guarantee that things are going to work in the summer. Um, he wants to come now, and, and like I said, maybe if you're Daryl Morey, you come down off what you were asking from other teams, a, a King's Ransom, to to – to get what you want with uh, with James Harden. Because you're right, there is no guarantee in the summer. And what's to say, <laughs> here we go, what's to say somebody like Miami doesn't come at him? Although I don't think he's a Miami kind of guy. But, you know, uh, what's to say some warm weather team that, uh, you know, looks like he could be a good piece and a good fit for them comes at him and 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 he takes it. So, yeah, no, I'm coming around more and more to that idea. Um, and you're not mortgaging the future either. You are, you are giving up a, a guy who's not playing, and um, you know what 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 you're going to get back in terms of a shooter lost in a Seth Curry. Uh, offensively, you're you're probably going to get that, and some playmaking. Uh, he'll give you some of that stuff. He'll give you better shooting than Ben Simmons. He might give you better playmaking. He won't give you the defense. But then again, uh, you know, maybe that's what, you know, Matisse Thybul and, 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 and uh, Tyrese Maxey and some of these guys are asked to do more of. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes down. I, I really wouldn't. 
So there's a uh, see this this is the day that, that that comes back to to bite us to some degree, Jones, because we end up talking about you know potential fantasies that aren't even close to reality. So I don't know if there's any legs to this, but there is a rumor uh, floating around. Um, I again, I have no clue if there's any legs to this, and I'll tell you, you and I have learned, and I think other teams are like this too, no doubt, no doubt. But the Raptors especially have proven. Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and Dan Tolzman and the whole front office have proven for years they keep things pretty tight. Like, it's extremely rare for anything to get out. So anytime I see something involving the Raptors, like rumor-wise, part of me goes, nah, it's bogus. (laughs) Because unless that said, it's coming from another team that's revealing the conversations, and maybe that makes Webster and Ujiri go, forget it. If you're going to be like that and you're going to be, you know, airing our, our, our business publicly, then we don't want to deal with you. I will say, though, last year's trade deadline, all of the chatter about the Los Angeles Lakers turned out to be true, and by all accounts, everything we end up hearing weeks, months later, it came down to literally the final seconds, if not final minutes before the deadline, where the Lakers were him and Han and, and, and balking at giving up X amount of pieces, most notably Taylor Horton Tucker, in a potential deal for Kyle Lowry. And here we are all this time later, and I know we discussed it in the summertime and in the early parts of the season, hey, how would the Lakers look right now with Kyle Lowry? So that said, take this for what it's worth. It's a rumor out there that's coming through USA Today uh, via Hoops Hype as well. Lakers, Knicks, and Raptors apparently rumored, rumored to be in, according to sources, to be in on a potential three-team deal that would see Cam Reddish and Alec Burks going to the Lakers with Goran Dragic and picks to the Knicks Taylen Horton Tucker and Nerlens Noel coming to the Raptors. Again, no clue if there is any validity to any of that. That's through USA Today via Hoopsite. Uh, sources saying that that uh, rumor, that potential deal, is out there. I don't know, Jonesy. I don't know what to think. I'll tell you what, if that was legit, I like it from a Raptors perspective. If you were able to turn, I don't know what kind of picks we're talking about here, but if you're able to turn, uh, you know, a pick and Goran Dragic into Horton Tucker and Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel, if you remember, was a guy that the Raptors were chasing a couple of years ago, I believe in trade and potentially even in free agency. Um, and he might be the type of guy, uh, let's just even say that type of player, I think, Jonesy, that would fit this team right now. Because I don't know that there is that, outside of maybe Miles Turner, whose name's been thrown around a lot, I don't know that there is that bona fide starting five that you're thinking, yep, that's the guy that we plug into this team. But a veteran, athletic, long, shot blocker, guy that you don't necessarily need to feed the ball to to score because you've got enough scoring with enough other pieces on your team, but somebody that can come in and rebound and block some shots and play some defense and whatever else, and then adding a young guard. Mm, yeah, you know what? Like Again, no idea if there's any validity to that, but, but it certainly sounds good from a Raptors perspective, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I'll say this, though. Um... The guy you just described, uh, you might maybe have not. Yeah, maybe not quite with the shot blocking prowess is Ken Birch. He's just all out of sorts right now. You can tell that mask and that that the nose thing is just he's all out of whack. He's just having difficulty uh, making plays like catching the ball. And it's not not his fault. It's just it's the adjustment. He's just he's just trying to get used to it. Um, 
But, you know, the, the, the guy you described there, veteran, stays in his lane, plays his role, athletic. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at Ken Birch, sets great screens, makes terrific decisions. I don't know if Noel can do that. Makes terrific decisions in the screen and roll, in, in, in the short roll, quarterbacking from, you know, the nail around the free throw line, dishing the ball, can hit a little floater, uh, you know, a little push shot in the lane, 10 feet, will rebound for you. Um, you know, doesn't really, like I said, doesn't really play outside of his personality. I, I think you have that guy. And, you know, people are like, oh, you know, we've, uh, we've had comments on Twitter. I won't watch this Raptor team till they get a proper five men. Well, the proper five men, quote unquote, are, are, are kind of, uh, I wouldn't say disappearing, but evolving around the league. Remember when Jonas Valanciunas first came to the Raptors? He'd take a three-point shot. We'd go, no, 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 no. Oh, nice shot. And when it went in. Now, he's regularly standing out there and knocking them down. And, and, and most big guys are doing that now. They're adding that piece to their game. They just haven't forgotten how to be big and how to play on the inside. So, you know, the, 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 the days of the classic postman are gone. If you're a classic postman and nothing else, you're not going to survive long in this league. So, I mean, the guy you just described, Eric, I, I, I think that's I think that's Ken Birch when he's healthy. And I, I can't wait for him to kind of get healthy. And, I mean, it's taken a long time, right? He, he, he broke his nose, had the surgery, kind of playing with the mask. He's not, you can just see it, he's not back to himself 100%. And... You know, just even things like, like I said, catching the ball, running on the break. And uh, it's like that mask is, is, is obscuring his vision all over. So um, I will be interested to see what Toronto does, though. But if they, if they don't do anything, save Goran Dragic, save for the a Dragic deal, I'm okay with it. I, I don't disagree with that. I'd like, at, at, to be honest, at this point, I'm expecting that's the only thing. If it turns out that they have to put another player in a Dragic deal, then so be it. But I, I, at this point, again, this is just my gut. This is not coming from any source or anything. My gut says, Jonesy, I don't think they're making a move. Like, because if – here's the other thing, too, with due respect to, to anybody that might fall in this category. If you're not trading – and, again, I'm 99.9% sure you're not trading any one of Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, or Scotty Barnes. If you're not trading any of those guys – well then, I can't imagine that it's a it's an overly significant trade with any of the bench guys that are barely seeing the floor, anyways, right? Right. Like, right. In yeah. terms of giving to get, well, you're not giving up a whole lot, so I can't imagine you're getting back a whole lot. So the only way I see the team really being altered or, or shaken is if one or two or more pieces from the second unit need to be included in a bigger deal that has. Goran Dragic like to me that's the only piece I'm really even looking at right now maybe I'm maybe I'm going to be proven wrong in that even last night Jonesy this kind of has played out now the way it's been going of late outside of some spot minutes for the man you were just talking about Ken Birch Nick Nurse has pretty much settled into I'm playing Boucher I'm playing Achua and I'm playing Banton and that's pretty much it some spot minutes for Ken Birch but Mihailuk Watanabe Flynn like Champagny, I thought, was giving a nice little spurt to this team from time to time. And he's not even with the big club now, right? He's playing with 905. And that's fine if, if that's better for his development. 
but that means that you're really kind of going with those three guys, Achua, Boucher, and Banton, as the only ones really getting any kind of significant, and even using that term might be loose, like Banton played, what, 12, 11, 12 minutes last night? Boucher and Achua right. both at 19. That's it right now, right? Like, and yeah. if you suddenly got another piece or two, would that change the rotation? Would you, would you, would you be able to scale back Van Vliet and Siakam and others to, you know, 35-37 instead of 39-41? Uh, or is this just where Nick Nurse is comfortable and he has settled into what he is um, most confident with in terms of trying to win ball games and keep this team in the playoff picture? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like the way Ron Rothstein put it when he was on with us last week from Miami where he said, hey, look after winning first. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's kind of what what Nick is doing and and uh, you know the other stuff will will figure itself out so uh, it'll be interesting uh, you know I just uh, you know you watch the game last night um, watch some of the games last night I was really surprised that the Lakers have oh, lost goodness. to Portland especially in the state that Portland's in right now yep. and how about Sabonis uh, Sabonis providing and Jeremy Lamb providing a little injection a little bit of a shot for the Sacramento Kings because Minnesota uh, had been playing well I mean Minnesota uh, well not that it's hard to do now but even there in front of the Lakers Minnesota's knocking on the door of the sixth spot uh, you know a game or they a game behind Denver for six Um, now now two in the loss column game and a half but Minnesota had been playing well so give Give Sacramento a little credit there. And the way things are in the West, I'm sure they're eyeing 9 or 10 still and and trying to make a run. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, To your point uh, about Sabonis last night in his debut with Sacramento, 22 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists and a steal in 32 minutes, 10 of 19 from the floor. Holiday struggled in his debut, 2 of 11, only 6 points. But you mentioned Lamb off the bench, 4 of 11, 14 points. Uh, and Sacramento getting the victory 132-119 over the Timberwolves. The Raptors, as we mentioned briefly, it was pretty much a eh, a cakewalk, I guess. It got close at times, but it was you know kind of classic Raptors bend but don't break. I believe the lead, which was hovering somewhere around 15, 12, 16, 13, 18, it got down to five a couple of times, but I don't believe... Uh, that that OKC really got any closer than five. They had a brief one point lead in the first quarter, like early in the first quarter. So it wasn't it wasn't wire to wire, but it was pretty damn close as the Raptors were in control for ninety nine percent of the night, and they get the one seventeen ninety eight victory. And Jonesy, how about Pascal Siakam, thirteen of seventeen from the floor in forty minutes, twenty seven points, sixteen rebounds. Five assists, a block, and a steal. Like, it's becoming a broken record, but he is playing unbelievably, and there's no doubt a deserving, and I refuse to say snub, a deserving all-star with the numbers he's putting up, with the production he's providing. But putting aside the numbers, just the impact, period. The impact he's having on this team and on this seven-game winning streak is as important as anybody else, including all-star Freddie Van Vliet and including Gary Trent with five straight 30-point games and, and Scotty Barnes with the incredible rookie season. Like, 
everybody is pulling their weight right now. None more important than the other. But, man, oh, man, Siakam, it's just fun to watch right now. And he's starting to do it on both ends, not just the offense, the defense he's providing too. Like, it's it's just fun to see him evolve or or – I don't know how do you how do you evolve Jonesy or or re 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 what's the word I'm looking for just to find himself again because I don't think he had a bad season last year but he no. certainly had a dip and he has rediscovered a lot of the success let alone I think the joy that he had a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, um, I I guess I, I listened to you talk there, Eric. I, just looking at the game last night, uh, you know we always talk about bend but don't break. Were the Oklahoma City Thunder ever a threat to win that game? No. No. And that's and that's and that's like you said, it was it was it was workmanlike. It was it was uh they got off to a great start, uh kind of said to the young team, Listen, I know you have visions of trying to pull an upset here or break our winning streak. No. Here, take this with you early. We're up fifteen in the first quarter and this is the way it's going to be the rest of the night. And Oklahoma City made a couple of runs. Raptors uncharacteristically characteristically turned the ball over a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, they got that together in the second half. And I, I never saw Oklahoma City as a threat. Never saw them as a threat to win that game. So on to Houston and see if they can make it eight. And uh, I, I just have the feeling this one could be a little more challenging because of Houston uh, and their ability to to get up and down. They have some length. I mean, you look at you know guys like 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 Christian Wood and and you know people who can who can score it a little in, in terms of scoring. They're right there with the Raptors around the same average. Now the issue is Houston's defense. If their defense <laughs> doesn't show up, and t- to be honest. It hasn't shown up a lot this year. They're 30th in the NBA last, giving up 117 a game. So that could be the undoing right there. Hey, and what did the Raptors score last night? 117 in the blow victory over the Thunder. So seven straight, and yes, indeed, looking for eight tonight against the Rockets, who have lost three in a row. Houston sitting dead last in the Western Conference at 15 and 39. Hey, they'd be, they'd be third last if they were in the East. They've got the third worst record in the NBA, but the worst in the Western Conference just behind the Oklahoma City Thunder, who again lost last night to the Raptors. They've lost three in a row. And with Golden State losing last night to the Utah Jazz, the Toronto Raptors right now the hottest team in the NBA with that seven-game winning streak. And... Listen, the opponents, with due respect, might not be like world beaters of late, but they certainly were to start. When you think back about you know this this streak that the Raptors are on right now, Jonesy, with the seven wins in a row, you're talking about Miami, Atlanta, Miami, Chicago, Atlanta, Charlotte, OKC. You've had some good teams in there, especially at the front end of this winning streak. You got another good one coming on Saturday with Denver, and then as we talked about yesterday. This schedule right now is a bear with a lot of road games coming up. So there's mm-hmm. going to be a dip. Like, listen, I, I'd be happy to eat my words, but do I see this turning into a 12-14 game winning streak? No, probably not. There's going to be a dip or two. But you've given yourself a little bit of a cushion or a little bit of forgiveness when you go out west, and it does get tough when you've got you know, a few before 
the All-Star break, and then a few after the All-Star break, and then come home for one or two, and then another six-game road trip. You've given yourself a little bit of a leash. Problem is, other teams aren't slowing down either. Like, the Celtics keep coming on strong. Brooklyn has fallen thanks to the nine-game losing streak, but at some point, you got to assume they're getting things back on track. So the, the, the dust is starting to settle a little bit, and you're in that mix, but you don't have a whole lot of room to falter now. So you got to make sure that this seven, maybe eight after tonight game winning streak has helped you know, prop you up and propel you, but now it's about making sure that there are no other losing streaks. You lose one, fine, but get the next one. You can't yeah. afford at this point like more than two, right? You, you can't have a three, four, five-game losing streak at this point because that could be pretty, pretty bad based on how things are starting to shake out in the East. Well, and that's uh, you always want to avoid those, any protracted losing streak. You just you can't, you know, win, win three out of four, win, win two out of three. Like just, uh, you know, don't, don't go in the tank. Look at, I mean, you're right, Eric. Brooklyn is just... They've backed their way through the field. I mean, they dropped like a stone, yeah. and and uh, from first to eighth. You know, yeah. Imagine if this yeah. was the old school format, right? Like they're still in the dance right now with the play-in, and they would have still been in the dance in the old format. But how many times have we seen in history a team that, like, I don't know, almost at the midway point, or at least at Christmas time, was right around first or in first, and then by Valentine's Day was in eighth? I can't imagine it's happened very often. No, I can't. I, I mean, that would be one for, uh, you know, people to, to do some digging on. But uh, and if you're Toronto, you just you just keep climbing. You got, you know, you're you're into 30 wins now. You're again, you're a game out of fifth in the loss column, two games out of. Well, heck, second for that matter, or or, or you know, third or fourth. They've all got 21 losses. So. Uh, it's a matter of you know getting what you can, and I, and the thing that I, I like about this Raptor team is, and I've said it before, they just they're so tough right now. They're so tough-minded. Um, you know, they're playing playoff-style basketball. They're not giving in. They're playing together. Uh, nobody's nobody's you know uh, nobody's being selfish about things. Hey, it's Pascal's night. You go to town. It's Fred's night. You go to town. Uh, last night, they, they started out going right at Josh Giddy. They sniffed him out. Oh, he's guarding OG? All right, OG. Cut him a key to the weight room and, and give him the uh, passcode just in case the key doesn't work and take him down inside. And Scotty Barnes scoring inside. They just, they're just playing the right way right now. And, and there's also, in the leadership part of it, guys holding other guys accountable. And mostly it's Fred with that dad look. You know, like when your your parents give you that look like, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that or, hey, fix that. Don't let that happen again. And, he, you know, he often shoots it at Scotty or sometimes at Gary Trent Jr. Just just subtly, you know, to say, come on, you know, don't guard that guy or you got to be there on the help or don't throw that pass. We can get something better. And that's all the look. The one look says everything. And. And, and and you've got guys playing and responding to it. So I love what's going on with the Raptors right now. And like I said, I keep saying this. You know, our, our man Tim Bontemps wanted to, let me stop you for a minute yesterday. Let me stop you for a minute, Jonesy. No, you're not going to stop me for a minute because Toronto's 2-1 and one against Miami this year. They're 3-0 and oh against Milwaukee. And I know no game in 
November or December or January means anything in April or May. But psychologically, you know you can beat these guys. Milwaukee's never won a playoff series against Toronto. Like, like those are things you're like, hey, man, we can do this. And so even if those teams were to play Toronto and beat them, you're going to take some shots. You're going to come out with some cuts and bruises on the way, even though you won the fight. Yep, I uh, I hear you. I agree with you, Jonesy. Um, all right, folks, again, we're keeping our eye on NBA trade deadline day. Nothing to report as of yet today with the uh, deadline approaching later on this afternoon. Um, hopefully, by the time the Raptor game rolls around tonight at 8 p.m., everything will have gone through the fax machines and we'll, <laughs> we'll have everything finalized. We can talk about it briefly before tip-off tonight and maybe even on the halftime show this evening as well. So, again, you've got us twice today, folks. Later on tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern tip-off of the Raptors and Rockets, but you've got us for a couple of hours right now as well. And when we continue, we will focus in a little bit more on the deadline and trades in general and just what's happening around the league with former NBA Ryan Hollins on Smith & Jones. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Smith & Jones, wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review and share as well. Raptors getting set for the Houston Rockets tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, the tip-off of that ball game as the Raptors look for an eighth straight victory. And, Jonesy, one of the other guys that has been thrown out there, at least again in the in – the, I don't even know if it's the rumor mill, just the scuttlebutt overall as potential um, – potential players on the move. You start looking at teams that might be struggling, teams that are towards the bottom, like the Rockets right now, and you look at veteran players that might be uh, valuable to other teams. His name's even been linked to the Raptors at some point. Again, that's just people throwing out names. I don't know if there's any legitimacy to any of those uh, chatters, but Eric Gordon's a guy to keep an eye on because he's certainly somebody that could help a whole lot of teams, yeah. whether it's you know Toronto, Milwaukee, anybody at, at this point that's a playoff team. Eric Gordon has a lot to offer from the experience standpoint, let alone his shooting, his scoring. He's a guy that uh, might be keeping an eye on his phone today. Yeah, uh, and you know you've got a veteran who's been through uh, playoff wars. Uh, you know, could, can be at times a a decent defender. Um, if I'm a veteran team, I'm 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 going to find out what it takes to get him. But then again, you know, if you're if you're the Rockets, maybe he's a guy that you hang on to, and that deal comes in the summer. Uh, maybe he's good for your young guys right now. Um, maybe our next guest knows that. E, bring him in. <laughs> yeah, let's let's. Well, hey, let, we'll bring him into the mix right now. Uh, longtime NBA vet, ten-year NBA veteran, Houston Rockets television analyst Ryan Hollins joining us. Ryan, thanks for the time today. Yeah, you no problem. Hey, Ryan, we we were just talking about Eric Gordon a little bit, and and to be clear, right off the bat, first time talking to us, we're not guys that are diving into the rumor mill and fantasy trades and whatnot very often. Obviously, it's a little bit different on deadline day. Speaking just in general, though, not trying to not trying to 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 run Eric Gordon out of town. In general, a veteran player on a young team. Talk to us a little bit about the value that that brings keeping a guy around on whatever team it is to make sure that these young players have a veteran voice, a veteran piece that can show them the way both on and off the floor and show them what it is to be a winner, to be a professional, etc. 
Oh, it's immense. Um, And you you may not always see it visually from a guy uh, putting a a player in the right spot or talking to him during the game. But a guy like Eric Gordon, you know, for instance, a couple of the veterans we have, just the way they show up and prepare for practice daily, uh, the the way that they deal with a a back-to-back, you know, or early shoot-around, you know, those, those are little things that, you know, the younger players have to see. You know, at one point we had, what, three, four 19-year-olds on roster? So there's it, a lot of youth. There's a lot of first times for, for everything. You know, these, these kids even uh, would be new to college basketball. You know, they're that young. So uh, just in, in terms of uh, the veteran piece, it is everything. And I, I think that the Rockets in particular have done very well because you have to have an element of, of having a veteran there. You, you can't just, just empty everything out, you know, without one on the roster. So there's definitely, uh, you know, things that you can learn from the veterans, even if you don't see it from a fan uh, perspective or on TV. Ryan, how much does that help a first-time coach like Steven Silas? And, and I, I, and I, I got to tell you, Eric and I, Steven, we, he has been – quote, a friend of our show for ever when he was an assistant in Charlotte and, and in Golden State and wherever he's been in Dallas. He's and and I, I feel, you know, as a, as a as a minority, I feel for minority coaches. I mean, here he was coming to Houston. I said this many times. He thought he was getting James Harden and Russell Westbrook and he ended up with Jalen Green. Um, so, uh, you know, how big a help is a guy like Eric Gordon to him as a as a young coach, uh, to have a veteran voice? Well, the veterans are huge in the sense that, you know, sometimes when you really are, you know, playing high-level NBA basketball, you don't have time for practice and things become very mental. So, you know, you'll call a play out of a timeout and just but execute it or to be in the right spot or to, or to talk. And, you know, a veteran gives a coach a lot of leeway. You know, you end up having to simplify the offense a whole lot. If you don't have a veteran out there that actually knows, you know, knows the play or knows the look or how to set it up, there's a lot of nuances to a to the NBA game. So, you know, those veterans know how to deliver. It, you know, it can be definitely the difference between winning and losing. Speaking with Ryan Hollins, Raptors getting set for the Rockets tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, the tip-off of that ball game, Ryan, um, NBA trade deadline day. Uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, you know, you were traded a couple of times in your career, never on deadline day, but just in general, what is this day like for a player? You've been there. I'm sure keeping an eye on the, on the phone and looking for messages from the team or from your agent or, or friends, family, somebody that might've heard something like, what is this day like from a, uh, I don't know, a nervousness standpoint, an anxiousness, anxiousness standpoint, and especially when it's also on a game day when you've got a job at hand and, and something else to focus on and not just sitting at home with your feet up and, and, and worrying about 3 p.m. Eastern or, or that, that time coming and going. Like, what's, what's it like for a player? Well, the nerves are high. It, as much as you'd like to wave it off or not think that it's a thing, it, it's a thing because – you don't know if you could be shipped off. And sometimes it, that has nothing to do with you. You can be thrown into a deal because your contract matches what, what what's there. 
And it's funny, you know, well, it's not funny, but the, the next day after the trade deadline, every coach pretty much comes in the locker room and says, hey, guys, this is it. This is, this is the team. You don't have to worry. And through the locker room, but uh, it can be very unnerving. You're right. I, I've been blessed. Every time that I've been traded, I've asked for it. You know, teams have been professional. I, I have not had it through my career and you know that could easily happen like I said your your money matches or, or a team falls in love with you uh, that you you don't see or you, you know you just kind of get thrown into a deal uh you know and it could and it could you know which is tough about the NBA it could have nothing to do with you dude you you could be the fact that a, another team needs a, a center they're giving away a center with with their shooting guard to make the money back so you gotta you know you gotta go back on the other side so I, I think it, it, it's definitely a nerving time. Ryan, um, I'm looking at the, at the Rockets um, and and some of the pieces they have. Uh, how far away is this team? Do you think how active you think they might be today in trying to, uh, you know, improve and if nothing else, position themselves for what's coming up come come draft time. Well, I, I definitely, you know, don't make any decisions uh, from a, uh, you know, a front office perspective. So this side, um, but the whole the whole point is to develop the young guys and grow. And right now, looking at the roster, the team is only going to be as good as Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are. So that's why their development comes at a premium. Those guys get to play into par and, and, and come into their own. And, you know, if they're one of the league's best players, the Rockets are going to be right back in contention, you know. So however long that that takes uh, will, will matter. So, um, you know, the Rockets, hey, you're, you're possibly looking at, you know, some cap relief. You're looking at, you know, draft picks. You know, you're, you're looking at, hey, you know, maybe taking care of a veteran who has a, a better opportunity somewhere else. So, you know, there's a number of different ways, and you know, you you guys kind of mentioned it before I came on. At the end of the day, if the team stays, that's not the worst thing. You know, if Eric Gordon, who's who's a hot name because of how well that he has played, he's just been immune, immense to what this season has been, and 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 I'm I'm just going to tell you, man, he's been a breath of fresh air. Raptors getting set for the Houston. Oh, sorry. We go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, where your phone line cut off for a second. I thought you were done your point, but uh, I didn't mean oh, to jump sorry, in on I you. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I said uh, there's going to be this immense happiness that Eric's still here because how well that he's played and how professional he's been, you know. But you're you're going to be happy for him either way. So hey, hey, it, 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 you're kind of just sitting back and waiting to see what 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 ends up happening. But like I said, development and the future uh, is a premium in in mind. Uh, in the focus of the Rockets. Ryan, one more for one more for you. You know James Harden a little bit from his time uh, in and around Houston. Um, it, it's kind of come out that he wouldn't mind being reunited with Daryl Morey, but he can't really. I mean, there's a report out there that says he can't really come out and say it. Uh, what do you do if you're a player in that situation? I'm sure you've had teammates like that. They, they kind of want out. 
but they don't want to just pull the rug out from under the team where they are now, but they would they would welcome a trade. What what? How does a player handle that if that is indeed the case with James Harden and and wanting to get out of Brooklyn and get to Philadelphia? Sometimes there's a question mark, and even for me as an early player of. What does your agent do? What is the purpose of your agent? You're doing all this playing. You're putting in all the work. What, what's, the, what's the real reason you have an agent? This is why your agent makes the money that he makes. He's got to be able to, you know, for the most part, typically communicate with the team on putting him into the best scenario or situation that he would like to be in. And, you know, as a player, you continue to be good cops where your agent behind the scenes can be bad cop or he can, you know, smooth things over or, you know, use his relationships to take care of you and get you paid or, you know, get you to where you'd like to go. So this is the sole responsibility uh, of, of an agent to make things happen and, and, and be realistic. And, you know, your, your agent doesn't really have a lot of control. The team that owns your rights has the control, but being able to, you know, work around that, um, it, 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 it's big, you know, and, you know, there's different types of agents, some that work with, with teams and, you know, maintain relationships. And then, you know, and I think, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit for the moves he's made. And you look at a guy like Rich Paul that sometimes will, will go to war with the team for a player. And as a player, you appreciate that, you know, sometimes because the teams are trying to do what's in their best half and you know sometimes the, the players have to work within what's in their their best mind and sometimes you just want someone that will you know kind of kind of fight for you you know so um uh, this is solely you know kind of on the agent because that's, i have a guy that's sitting out or a guy that verbally expresses he doesn't want to be somewhere what happens to him in the fan base he, he gets smeared man they throw him under the yeah. bus things get ugly you know, Ryan, we appreciate the time and the insight today, man. Have a great call tonight, and we'll look forward to speaking down the road. All the best. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Ryan. There is Ryan Hollins, 10-year NBA veteran and uh, currently television analyst with the Houston Rockets as the Raptors get set for the Rockets tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, the tip-off, and we will have that game for you right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. You know, another name we didn't maybe ask a whole ton about Jonesy and and hasn't been mentioned in a long time, what is ultimately ever going to happen with the, the player, let alone the career, when it finally gets a chance to restart, hopefully, and, and find some semblance of glory or at least consistency again? John Wall. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's kind of completely forgotten about, right? Totally. Totally forgotten about. I mean, he's he's part of that roster. Here's the issue. Nobody's going to take that contract. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to have to come back a different guy. He's going to have to come back um, as, a, as, a, as many older players who have had the ball in their hands uh, and, and had the stardom – um, learn that you have to change your style of play. I think the guy that's probably done it best has been Carmelo Anthony. Uh, you know, he is, I mean, Russell Westbrook obviously struggling with it. Um, you know, a guy like John Wall, when he comes back, don't expect a team to hand you the keys to the car and have you with the ball all the time. That's You're going to have to share it. 
and if not, you're going to have to be kind of a mentoring uh, role player on on a team that's that's looking to do something that sees you as that piece. And that's a conversation that they're going to have to have with him when they sign him or if he gets signed anywhere. And it took Mello a little while to figure it out, right? And which is understandable to, yeah. to to not be able to kind of step into that role right away, mentally and physically, because it's got to be tough, Jonesy, more than anything else, to check the ego too, right? Like that's got to be as hard thing. as anything. Yeah, yeah. And and look, I'll, I'll say this: uh, like for a Russell Westbrook, for example, um, he's used to having the ball in his hands. You 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 are now a role player. So you're not getting all the minutes. And the stuff that you do as a role player is magnified because you can't, you don't have the ball in your hands to erase it all the time. Like, you know, people might look at Russ and say, oh, yeah, he had a triple-double, but he had seven turnovers or six turnovers. Well, it's not a big deal. He still had a triple-double. But if you're a role player and you're only out there for a certain number of minutes and you're throwing the ball up into the stands and then the coach takes you off and you sit down, all people are going to remember is, Man, that was brutal. He was out there for eight minutes and, you know, threw the ball away three times. Whereas if he's out there for 28 minutes, they're not, they're, they'll remember, you know, spectacular passes and dunks and big three-point shots and and ones. And those, yeah, there were three or four turnovers, but ah, look at all the other stuff. And that's, that's something that, you know, a guy like John Wall, somebody needs to sit him down and say, hey, this is what's happening when you, if and when you come back to the league. You know, it's funny, Jonesy, this has got nothing to do with what we're talking about right now as far as, you know, veterans and John Wall and everything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at a picture in the office right now, which is a, 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 a shot of Kawhi's shot against Philadelphia. And, you know, the, 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 the four-bouncer. To, to win this, the, the the series against the Sixers, and I'm just it's it's kind of apropos for today with trade deadline day. I'm looking at the picture, and there's Ben Simmons just to the right of Joel Embiid sprawled out trying to block that Kawhi shot, not playing for the Sixers. Yes, still a Sixer technically, but not playing. Kawhi Leonard not in a Raptor uniform and currently not playing. Jimmy Butler in Miami now. Marcus Saul not in the league. Serge Ibaka. Down underneath, getting ready to for a rebound, battling against Tobias Harris, a player who's actually still with the Sixers. There's Serge, you know, with the Clips, not playing a whole lot. Who's who's the other Sixer on the floor? A little trivia question for you, Jonesy. Do you remember the five on the floor for Philly? Um, I wouldn't have known this. Embiid, Simmons, Butler, Harris, and Ennis. Uh, oh. James Ennis. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. But then I look at and, the and bench. He, uh, and... Go ahead. Go ahead. He had a good series. He had a good series. Yeah. Yeah. He, he made some noise. Well, and I'm looking at the Raptor bench behind Kawhi. There's Fred Van Vliet in uniform, but standing there like almost holding hands with, with Norm Powell. Powell standing there in sweats and a T-shirt, obviously not in Toronto, and has moved to two different organizations since. There's OG Ananobi in street clothes. There's Chris Boucher Appendix. in street clothes, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like I mean, obviously we can talk about Jordan Lloyd with due respect, Patrick McCaw, uh, um, uh, Jody Meeks, but like it's just wild to think we're not even three years yet. We will be, you know, come come May, but 
all of the players that are either now key members of their team, i.e. OG and, and arguably even Boucher, but there's Van Vliet and Norm on the bench and, like, the dudes on the floor, there's only two left standing in the sense that Embiid and Harris are still there, which goes back to where we started this hour. Look how close they were then with those two guys, and here they are almost three years later, still close and arguably closer than they've ever been. Now's when you got to strike. Make the move. Make the move. Because you know what? This window's been open for a while, and it might not stay open that much longer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, that, and if that's the case, go for it, uh, especially with Embiid playing well. But he's got to continue to play well. Like, if, this, if it doesn't get through this year, he's got to come back with the same focus and the same, uh, you know, the same play next year to give them a chance. All right, folks, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. We will have more on the NBA trade deadline coming up next hour right here on Smith & Jones. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. NBA trade deadline day. And as of yet, nothing rolling in. This seems to kind of be the trend. I, I, I honestly don't have the, you know, the, the stats, the numbers, the, the facts and figures, Jonesy, from the last two, three, ten NBA trade deadlines. But this seems to be the trend, how it's kind of gone of late from, from at least what my, my foggy brain is remembering couple of trades leading up to deadline day quiet in the morning arguably quiet even into the early stages of the afternoon and then all hell breaks loose and the frenzy in the last 30 to 45 minutes yeah am i wrong in, in, in that like that's kind of the way my brain's remembering no. it yeah and, and 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 it happens uh you know like the kid writing the essay that uh, you start the night before and it's due at three o'clock, end of the day, the next day, and you're, you, 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 you're, you go to cl your other classes, but in geography class, you're finishing your, your English essay. And then you move to math class and you're finishing your English essay. And then at lunchtime, you, 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 you go to the library while everybody else is, and you finish your English essay and you handed it on time, like, okay, yeah, it's done. You know, uh, just you hand it in just the same way that that kid who Jonesy, started it. I feel weeks seen. Ago. I, I feel seen. <laughs> I feel like you're like coming right at me. That's like you just described my entire scholastic career, basically. <laughs> but the but the GMs eat. They and look, we just, we talked about baseball yesterday with uh, was it Chris Rose. Is that who we talked baseball yeah. yesterday? Yeah. I don't even remember. All our shows are yep. running together. He says nothing will happen till the deadline. Of course, you got to put some time constraints on to get people to, to prod them a little, to get them going, to get them working. So um, right now there's a lot of discussions and not, we don't like that and we'll call you back and then you'll sit down and think about it and throw another player in or throw a draft pick in or ask for somebody else and at the 11th hour stuff gets done. You know what I've always found fascinating about trades in general in any sport, and this is maybe why I wouldn't be uh, a, a good general manager. Um, 
I always tend to look at a deal. I shouldn't say always. There are some trades where you look and go, man, I thank goodness we weren't part of that, or, or thank goodness my team didn't do this or whatever. But, Jonesy, how often do you look at a trade and go, oh, heck, uh, Toronto could have done better than that, or or that's all it took to get that guy? You know, like, so I, I, I would love to know. I've in, in all my years covering sports, let alone the NBA specifically, I've had plenty of conversations with GMs and presidents and players and coaches and agents and everything else, but I don't know if I've ever really gotten a, a, a bona fide answer. Maybe it's because there's not one way to, as you always say, not one, one way to cook chicken. There's many ways. What's the process like? Like even, I'm just playing the hypothetical right now, okay? Hypothetically speaking, the Raptors and the Mavericks are locked in on talks right now and, and have been for months trying to figure out if there's a potential trade, maybe, for, for Goran Dragic, maybe. Okay, yeah. but at what point do you stop talking to the other teams? Or at what point do you make your last call to the other teams? When you're about to consummate a deal, go, is this really the best we could do? Let's pick up the phone and call Memphis, Sacramento, Los Angeles, Cleveland, like, and nine other teams. Like, at what point do you say, no, this is it, and we're focusing in just on that one team? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's a question for, for GMs and yeah, and a guy who's you know a guy who's on the line who's been a coach where I'm sure the GMs come to him and said, "What about this guy? You know, what are yep. you what are you willing to to give up for me to go and get you this guy?" And it, uh, it it would be interesting to know. It would be interesting to know. Well, you mentioned the guy on the line right now, uh, more than just a guy, and he's joined us many times in the past as well. Uh-huh. We always appreciate the time. Former head coach and player and champion, CBS Sports analyst as well, Avery Johnson. Avery, thanks for the time today. Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, Avery, good we were just you. talking last hour, about five, ten minutes ago, with Ryan Hollins. And, and one of the questions we asked him, I'll kind of twist it, but, uh, but ask the similar one to you. From a player's perspective and a coach's perspective, you've been there in both. What is deadline day like for the coach, let alone the player, and the nervousness of keeping the eye on the phone and wondering, am I still going to be here wearing this uniform in three, four, five hours? Well, as a player, it depends on, you know, what stage and where are you in your career. Um, I don't think it bothers, you know, the really veteran players, especially if you're not a superstar. Um, I don't think it bothers the veteran players as much because you've had your run. You really totally understand the whole totality of the business. Uh, But as a young player, you know, if you if you're a young player, you you're a little bit anxious. Uh, you're on edge. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. You hadn't been in a lot of trade uh, talks before. Uh, so I just think it all depends on where you are and that stage of your career. And then as a coach, it just depends on you know if you're a championship team, if you're set, um, if you're go, you know Golden State, Steve Kerr. You know, I don't think he's really nervous right now. Probably they'll get some offers for James Wiseman. But the core part of their team with Clay and Steph and Draymond, you know, they're not going anywhere. So I, I just think if you're a stable team, you're not as anxious as a coach. If you're an older veteran player, you totally understand. You get it. But if you're a younger player, there there may be some anxiousness uh, during the trade deadline and on that day. Avery, 
in your you've been you know right there on the cusp of a championship as a coach and moves made during trade deadline time has the front office ever come to you and said i mean i know you have input and said hey we're really close to getting x player or we might be looking at x player uh we're thinking of giving up player y and player z you ever say no 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 we can't do that or uh, I'd rather not do that. Or yeah, go ahead. You know, what, what kind of input does, do the coaches have at this point? It, it depends on your relationship with ownership and the general manager. You know, when I was in Dallas, I was very, very much um, in sync with uh, you know Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson, and and whether we agreed or disagreed, at the end of the day, we were going to make the best decision for the ball club and we're going to be unified. So that relationship was stronger. Now moving over when I was with New Jersey, you know, it's a different deal because you you had Russian owners who weren't really present. Um, They weren't easily accessible and, you know, just trying to make the right moves in that situation. You know, Rod Thorne hired me and, you know, then Billy King came in and, and he, you know, things didn't work out as well, uh, and he fired me. So it's it's just different situations in terms of your relationship with ownership. Uh, and and sometimes you, you're very privy to what's happening with a trade all the way up to that very minute, and then sometimes you can be surprised and wake up in the morning and find out that, that the team <laughs> traded for somebody that you didn't even have a clue of what's going on. Um, uh, 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 maybe on that point a little bit then Avery let let me ask you um, and again you've got the great perspective the unique perspective of having been there as a player and as a coach when the coach comes into the locker room the next day or that night like the Raptors tonight they're getting set for a game um, and Nick Nurse walks into the locker room a few hours after the deadline and like all right guys you know we always wanted you. You're you're our crew. Nobody was ever in jeopardy. We wanted to roll with you. Like, what's that conversation like when maybe, the, especially teams, and I don't know that Toronto fits this mold, Avery, but a team that maybe has had a lot of rumors or rumblings, there's been a lot of chatter, or a team that might have been expecting something, and either a deal does go down and there are new troops coming or a significant likable player has been dealt or nothing's happening. Guys are looking going, man, I thought I was going to be traded, or man, I thought we were going to get some help. What are those conversations like when the coach walks in and has to address the team? Well, first of all, if a coach walks in and says, you know, hey, guys, nobody was on the trading block. We love you guys. Uh, those were all rumors. That's, 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 that's false, right? I think he would lose his credibility. I think what you walk in and, and say that, uh, you know, the, the organization tried to do what's best in terms of the team. And sure, there were some conversations that we had with other teams, but here we are. This is our team. Let's move forward. Let's get better. And uh, let's figure out the areas where we need to improve and individually and as a team. And, and let's get after it. You owe it to your families and you know, and, and, and now to the organization to play the best of your abilities. But the idea that a coach can walk in and say, you know, we didn't have any conversations. No, n- not one person on the roster was were, were in trade talks. I think players would really lose respect for you and coaches would lose their credibility in that situation. Avery, what do you do when you get a new guy in the locker room at trade deadline and, y- y- you know, you're – 
uh, you're expected to kind of magically put the pieces together and have this thing, if not get all the way to, you know, a, a championship or a conference final, but at least make a run at the playoffs. And now you've got a new group without a training camp. How do you handle that as a coach? Well, first of all, the NBA is not just for National Basketball Association, but no, no babies allowed and no excuses. Uh, that's why coaches get paid the big bucks to figure it out. Uh, players come in. You have a lot of video. You play on the player. You've you've obviously you know probably coached against him a, a number of times. You know what's his sweet spots on the floor. You you, you have a really good idea of his strengths and weaknesses. That's one of the reasons why you made a trade for him because you figured that, uh, that some skill set that he has would be an asset to the team. So I just think uh, you come in, you probably have, you know, some practices with guys that, that are not in the rotation. Uh, you do a lot of 5 on old work in terms of trying to perfect and, and let him get an understanding of uh, of the offense. You don't try to throw the entire playbook at him on in day one. So I, I just think uh, there is a transition period there, but every practice and shoot-around and film session are critically important to try to get that player comfortable within that the framework of, of that particular system and, and that culture. Speaking with Avery Johnson. Avery, are you anticipating anything crazy going down today? I mean, you were discussing earlier about, you know, the potential for, for trades, and more often than not, it's not necessarily the, the big fish that are moving, but there's a lot of chatter out there about the possibility of a James Harden-Ben Simmons deal. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but what it, what's your sense of, of how things might unfold over the next few hours? Well, we're, Because we're not privy to those conversations, uh, a lot of times you, you, it's a guessing game. It's amazing when you hear all these analysts on TV or on radio and and with these bold predictions. But unless you are best friends with Rob Palinka from the Lakers or you know Elton Brand and those guys with Philadelphia with the Seventy Sixers or Sean Marks with the Nets, unless you're right there on the phone, you you really don't know. I see a lot of smaller trades, um, maybe not the big names being moved today. But if the big names move, hey, that's what happens. But I see a couple of more smaller trades with teams trying to shore up maybe, a, you know, trying to find a defender or a rebounder. It's really, really hard uh, to move guys like James Harden and Ben Simmons because it's kind of the top of the triangle. There are not many teams that got the salary cap, uh, that's got the right fit. And that's why you hear the 76ers in the Nets with, with because that's probably the only place that Philadelphia could trade Ben Simmons right now. Uh, so, again, you know, Zion Williamson, he's not going anywhere. Uh, maybe if he was healthy and, you know, he's if he wants to be moved, which he's never said he wanted to be moved, you never know how the Pelicans could get in play even more. But I just think unless you're on the line with those GMs, you really don't know. But I see a lot of smaller moves being made. Uh, before the trade deadline. Avery, appreciate the time and the insight today. Thanks for joining us. Okay, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Coach. There is Avery Johnson, former NBA player, <laughs> champion, and uh, head coach as well. Love getting his insights. Love talking to Avery Johnson. Yeah. He, I, I, you know how you said I, I, I went through your academic career? I get the feeling at some point – 
Avery Johnson had a guy traded to him, and he walked in the locker room and said, who the heck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you woke up in the morning, he's like, oh, you got, uh, we traded, you got Eric Smith. He's like, who? <laughs> you know, like, I, I get the feeling that that, is, that has happened to him, or he knows a coach. A coach has said, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in, those, in those dinners, after the game or before a game on the night before when coaches go out, they, they trade war stories. And, you know, the way he said that, uh, that was an authentic happening, I'm sure, at some point. And I, I just think, that, you know, that to me, the coach and the GM, uh, the coach and the GM should be tied together. They really should. The coach, the coach, the GM shouldn't be able to fire the coach after at least three years that he's given him you know, a roster or they've had discussions or or something to work with. You can't just blame it on the guy and say it's his fault. You know, I, I gave him all the groceries and the, and the food tastes awful. I need a new I need a new chef. No, 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 no. Um, it, I, I think the two of them are tied together. So when I heard Avery Johnson say that, it really highlighted the, the kind of disconnect uh, between the front office and the coach if that were to happen. Yeah, I mean, Jonesy, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. There needs to be some sort of synergy, at least the the open line of communication. Because even if the even if the GM is is I don't know cocky enough, arrogant enough to 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 be like, no, this is my call and it's my team. And you, but you gotta let, at least have the, the 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 coach have a say, right? Like yeah. you're handing the coach the pieces. Well, if you don't if you don't give him the right ingredients, he ain't gonna be able to cook the meal properly. So yeah, at least I got to let him have a say, have a little bit of, bit of a voice, or keep him involved in the process. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm sure, and maybe I'm wrong in this. I'm sure Nick Nurse would love to have a couple other or different weapons right now. But at the end of the day, it's not his call. But I still want to talk to him. I still want to get a sense of what do you think you need, what do you think you could use. You know, could you maybe find a way to get a little bit more out of this guy? How much would it impact you or us, do you think, if we dealt this guy or got that guy? Like, at least have the conversation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you, will, you will get – you have a feel for your team. The coach has, you know, the, the pulse of the team. Even if it's not a good pulse, he's, he's got it. He understands it. So – um, I, I think the two should be really in, in lockstep and really on the same page when it comes to any kind of organizational move. You mean to tell me that Daryl Morey hasn't been, if the, all this James Harden talk, he hasn't talked to a veteran championship, a guy recently named one of the top 15 coaches uh, in, in, in the NBA in Doc Rivers? I would be really surprised if Doc isn't in on what's going on. Yeah, well said. In fact, let's talk about the top 15 in a second. But on this very topic, we've been discussing what about Nick Nurse, his thoughts on the NBA trade deadline. We haven't had much internal talk uh, around here. Um, I, I just, again, I think I'll say this for the 10th time. I, I think since early December, this team has really started showing some, well, playing good basketball on a fairly consistent basis. And um, it's good to see, and that's that's really you know, really all I'm I'm gonna worry about is whoever we get to the arena for the game, we get ready, get them ready to go, and try to try to keep getting better. 
That's, uh, I mean, listen, it's, it's a good attitude. It might be the only attitude you can have at this point, right? Because, you know, as we've said, it's kind of cliche, but you can only coach whoever you've got. And if you like what you got right now and you're not anticipating anything, well, so be it. You're rolling forward. And if something does go down, well, it wasn't your call. It was your GM. It was your president. And you're going to coach whoever's given to you. Uh, the one thing I guess I would wonder a little bit, Jonesy, and I want to be perfectly clear about this, I don't believe – for one second, that there's any issue at all, period. Make sure you're clear on that, folks. But I do wonder if Nick Nurse, part of the reason he's playing his starter so much is because he doesn't necessarily, I'm not saying he doesn't like or trust, but he likes and trusts more the five that are getting it done, which is what we talked about last hour as well. We've talked a lot about in the last week, the last month. It's not that he doesn't, because he has given Spee plenty of chances. He's given Utah plenty of chances. The only guy that you can maybe question or argue is, has he had as many chances, is Malachi Flynn. But he has had chances. Like, you look down at that second unit and the bench for the Raptors, every single person, every single player has had their chance. And it's not just a game, one time, one night, one stretch. Multiple times, multiple chances, many of them inserted into the starting lineup for multiple games. So if they haven't performed to the level that he would like, I totally understand and am in total agreement with how he's handling things right now. But in a private moment, and again, this is not to say there's any animosity. There isn't. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Would he like to have a couple other or different pieces that maybe could help? a little bit more, which would help spell off the starters? I've got to assume the answer is yes to that. For sure, for sure. I mean, um, and, and and look, we know Nick and the way he coaches and what he likes to do with different combinations and uh, running guys out into the floor. And, and, and like I said, if he sees a good one, he uses it. It goes in his back pocket and, and it comes out later. So... I'm sure he would love the versatility. That, that's that's not even that's a good pointy. That's not even a question. But um, right now, these are the only pieces he has, and and we are seeing again. We saw at the start of uh, the fourth quarter yesterday, he had what I call the long lineup out there with Banton, Boucher, uh, Barnes, uh, uh, Achua, and Siakam, or Ananobi and Siakam. I don't remember, but you know, you go to that, and you got. Five guys who can shoot the ball, five guys who can, uh, you know, handle it in some way, at least within the framework and the con- uh, conceptual work of your offense. And then, like I said, you, you put OG inside, you put Pascal inside, you put Scotty Barnes inside, you give them the ball. Uh, the other team sees alarm bells, they go into double team, and now you've got exactly what you want because no rotation can catch up to the ball. You can't outrun the ball. So Nick would love to have those combinations. He would love to. Uh, But right now, I think he's doing a masterful job with what he has at his disposal. Jonesy, you were mentioning a uh, a couple of minutes ago, the NBA announcing a day ago, the 15 greatest coaches in league history as we continue to celebrate. It kind of hasn't been made as much uh, of a big deal of late. It, It sort of started at the beginning of the season. It sort of petered out over the course of the last couple of months. I have a feeling... It will be um, highlighted and, and a part of All-Star Weekend in Cleveland, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it going into the postseason as well. But the 75th anniversary season, and we saw the 50 greatest updated to the 75 greatest uh, earlier this season. 
Well, now we have a list of the 15 greatest coaches, the top 15 coaches in league history. Hard to argue with any of these. And again, anytime any list of any sort comes out, you're going to get people that say, oh, this guy got left off or this guy got snubbed. Red Auerbach, Larry Brown, Chuck Daly, Red Holzman, Phil Jackson, Casey Jones, Steve Kerr, Don Nelson, Greg Popovich, Jack Ramsey, Pat Riley, Doc Rivers, Jerry Sloan, Eric Spolstra, Lenny Wilkins. Those are your 15. Uh, Again, some guys deserving, no doubt, but I can't sit here and say that anybody was necessarily snubbed. When you look at those 15, who are you taking off to put on uh, George Carl? Let's just, as an example, who are you taking off to put George Carl on? So I don't have a problem with those 15 names. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about the best of the best. Yeah, and and you know, like there are some there are some you know some guys that you would look at and say, hmm, I wonder. Like I, I, George Carl. What about what about uh, a guy who's won a championship in in uh, you know in Rick Carlisle? Uh, you know, some of the older guys. Uh, you know, John McLeod, Rick Adelman, some of those guys. Like where where do you? You know where do you where do you where do you put those guys? But um, as you said, with a list, it's not just putting on. Who are you going to take off? And as we always said, you you get the list to a certain point. And what if they went top twenty? Then the guys at twenty one and twenty two would feel like, well, I should be on that, or this guy should be on it. So it's a hard thing when you make a list that that you know guys guys kind of get you know guys kind of get cut off like that. I guess the, the the one, like George Carl comes to mind, Jonesy. Rudy Tomjanovich is another guy I thought about. Uh, and uh. and he didn't, he didn't, and maybe this is ultimately what kind of, and, and listen, he's not, he's not the only one, I suppose, when you look at the list, um, at least as far as a coach. But not getting the championship did this impact things, but when you look at the winning percentage and the success and changing the game and the style of the game for not just a short period in time, but arguably for the way the game is still being played to some extent. I look at a guy like Mike D'Antoni, too. Like, is he deserving of a position there? But with all those guys I just mentioned, I go back again to what I just said two minutes ago, and you you, you kind of hammer home the point as well. I'm not sure who I'm taking off the 15 to put on D'Antoni or Rudy T or George Carl or anybody else. I, 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 just, I couldn't make a case of, no, uh, Chuck Daly's not deserving or, <laughs> you know, Doc Rivers shouldn't be there. Like, there's nobody that I can look at and say, that guy shouldn't be there. It's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, all you have to do is look down any list of uh, winning coaches all time, and, and they've got a lot of them covered. Um, but there are, uh, there are other guys uh, that, that, you know, you would think, oh, I wonder if, wonder if you would give him a shot. But then, again, who do you take off? So, big, good list uh, makes for good debate. We have breaking news. According to Shams Sharania, and you can pretty yep. much lock that in and take that to the bank, the Toronto Raptors have dealt Goran Dragic to the San Antonio Spurs for Thaddeus Young. Now, I don't know if that's straight up. I don't know if more details will come in over the next couple of moments. But Thad Young coming to the Raptors, Jonesy, a veteran piece, veteran off the bench. Love the move. Love the move. Love. Yeah, I, I do too, Eric. And, and you have a guy who is at this stage in his career and always has been uh, uh, willing to accept the role of veteran, 
smart, heady player. Um, you know, n- n- never was athletic, is still athletic, but never that was never the cornerstone of his game. Uh, and you know what? The guy can defend. The guy can defend. I I really, really like this move for Toronto. Let, let's wait to see what filters out and uh, if there's anybody else thrown in because we know that, um, you know, that it, it's always kind of bits and pieces. But um, I really, I, I really like this deal for Toronto if that is indeed uh, the way it goes down. Well, and, and here's the other thing, too. And I, I, I mean, I don't know that this would be the case, but you have to also factor in buyouts and whatnot. Like, I would assume, I could be wrong with this, I would assume Goran Dragic is not playing for the San Antonio Spurs. I'm going to assume San Antonio is buying out Dragic. Like, if he's not playing for Toronto, Jonesy, he's not playing for San Antonio. I could be wrong on that. Is there any possibility that Thad Young doesn't ultimately play for the Raptors? I'd be shocked if that weren't the case, because I think this is a great piece for them. But again... Let's see how the dust settles over the course of the next, uh, you know, five minutes, let alone 55 minutes or a few hours as more details filter out again. According to Shams Sharania, the Raptors dealing Goran Dragic to the San Antonio Spurs for Thaddeus Young. I was going to mention before that news hit the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Twitter sphere, Serge Ibaka going from yeah. the Clippers to the Milwaukee Bucks, and there was also another trade involving Sacramento sending Marvin Bagley to the Detroit Pistons. Now there is news filtering out, and this is what you were just talking about as details come. Those two deals are actually linked together in a four-team trade with the Pistons, Kings, Bucks, and Clippers. So more details are starting to, to filter out. In fact, as I speak, we know that or we're being told or we're reading that, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles are going from the Pistons to the Kings. Um, DiVincenzo is going from Milwaukee to the Clippers. And now Adrian Wojnarowski saying that the Bucks are also sending Semi Ojale and Rodney Hood to the Clippers as part of the deal. So as you just said, lots of details filtering in. In the moment, as we speak, we're seeing that firsthand with all of the details of that four-team trade with the Pistons, Kings, Bucks, and Clippers. And again, the Raptors apparently trading Goran Dragic to the Spurs for Thaddeus Young. So it's starting to come, Jonesy. Here we are a few hours before. Quiet morning, but it's like lunchtime, and here we go. At lunchtime, they're in the uh, Eric Smith in the library. Come on, man, let's go play hoop at lunch. No, I got to finish my essay. It's due at three o'clock. So uh, here we go. Uh, and and uh, uh, you, you just got to wait till the dust settles. I mean, at first sound of this, I mean the the the, uh, the Clippers uh, give up Ibaka. Man, Ibaka is a good vet. It's going to help Milwaukee in in a in a, in a potential championship run. Um, uh, Marvin Bagley the third. They they get another young big for Dwayne Casey to develop and 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 work with. And um, you know uh, the Kings are active. They're really trying to they're really trying to redo this thing. Uh, you know the you think about what they've gotten rid of in the last little while. The Kings and that's. Um, you know, that's that's kind of trying to retool it on the fly right now. Yeah, big time, big time. 
Um, I guess we'll we'll have to uh, just keep an eye on on. Hey, folks, if you haven't done so already, seriously, just put the uh, notifications on on your phone for at least today. Shut them off after if you want to, but keep them on for today. With Wo- oh, speaking of notifications, Jones is getting the call. Is it the Raptors making a trade or is it another duct service cleaning call? Paul Jones, we'd like to clean your air ducts. It's NBA trade deadline day. No, Jonesy, did you pick it up? Any moves? No, I didn't. It uh, <laughs> blocked caller ID. Okay. Serge Ibaka saying, Paul, Paul, <laughs> I want to come to Toronto, not Milwaukee. I want to get, I, I want to get you and Eric on. How hungry are you? All right, again, folks, Goran Dragic apparently being dealt to the San Antonio Spurs for Thaddeus Young. More to come on this station later in the day, and we'll have more on whatever trades go down, not just with the Raptors, but across the league when we hit the air again later on this evening for the broadcast of the Raptors and Rockets right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, 8 o'clock Eastern, the tip. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Have a good one.